This episode of Hit the Ground Running is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. I'm Christina Royster. And I'm Yasmin Gagne. And you're listening to Hit the Ground Running, a fast company podcast where we help young professionals uncover how to make it in the ever-changing world of work. On today's episode, we talk about how side hustles, or, you know, as some people call it, dual careers are helping people thrive during and post-COVID. And we also speak with Jasmine Lawrence, founder of Eden Body Works and product manager on the Everyday Robot Project at X about the challenges and rewards of managing, as she calls it, dual careers. So yes, outside of writing, what is one thing that you absolutely love to do? You know, it's funny. I feel like I'm fortunate in that writing is both my hobby and my job, but it's also a little sad. But I do also love to, wow, this is super lame. I love to read. I like to eat and cook food, but honestly, I'm not very good. I mean, those are great hobbies. Have you ever thought about like making one of them a side hustle? Like, I mean, some people are so passionate about things. That they just turn it into a whole platform. Like, you could have a whole book club. It's funny. I feel guilty about, like, you know, I have friends who have sub stacks and stuff, and I'm just like, I don't do that. I've thought about it, but I I feel like I don't have, you know, like a huge following, and I'm, I don't know. I've thought about it, but, but short answer, no. How about you? No, I definitely feel you on that front, because for me, outside of work, well, number one, I, too, call myself a content creator. I love... Um, you know, making videos and I host a podcast outside of this one. So it is a balance between working for the media and media is also my hobby. Sometimes there is no balance. It's just a blur. (laughs) But outside... May I give you an opportunity to plug your side hustle? What is your other podcast called? Oh, yeah. I have a podcast called Young Black and Opinionated, and I've been hosting that solo for about three years now. And it's more of like a pop culture roundup podcast, kind of different from this one. But if you listen to that one, you'll get the same Christina as the same sound. (laughs) And so outside of media, I actually love art. I love painting. During the pandemic, I, you know, had a lot of time on my hands. So I started painting more and people started to enjoy it on Instagram. And I started to monetize it and sell my paintings. All right. But then, like you said, I did feel pressure then all of a sudden people start getting on you about what you should do with your business and start an Etsy. For me, it wasn't really a business. It was like a passion project that I realized could be lucrative. It could be a side hustle. There's something to be said for like having a hobby that's just a hobby because the minute a hobby turns into a job, it's just like, you know, where's that outlet? Like, how do you kind of just relax or do the thing you love? But I mean, it's true, right? The pandemic's made all of us think of more creative ways to make money. All these people making tie-dye sweatsuits at home. Oh, yeah. I love I love (laughs) seeing the tie-dye come back. I love all that. And it's sad because it really came out of necessity. People lost their jobs. We had to. In fairness, I thought it was cool at the beginning of the pandemic. And now I'm like, I just don't want to see it again. It's like a 2020 relic. You know, I'm like, I never want to relive the tie-dye sweatsuit phase. (laughs) But... I don't know. Facebook Marketplace is always on fire. There's always people on Etsy selling the randomest stuff. I was going to say, I think we actually have some statistics here. 32% of 16 and 19 year olds were unemployed in April 2020, more than twice the rate of those 25 and older. So, yeah, I, I feel like it definitely was younger people like somebody I follow, their niece started like a little lip gloss business during the pandemic because they're kids. They can't really work in these service jobs. 
while businesses are closed. So they just have to start getting creative. When we talk to Jasmine, you guys will hear how she started her business when she was 13. Jasmine, who we're about to talk to, like I have never felt like more in, of an underachiever in my entire life. <laughs> I was just sitting there like, oh my God, what have I been doing with my time? But that's the thing, right? Like, like you said, the pandemic kind of made people feel antsy and we felt like we had to do something. And especially, I don't know if you've ever seen like productivity Twitter. Everybody's always telling you, you need a second stream of income. You need an LLC. I hate seeing all that. Like, that's great advice, but it's not for everybody. Not everybody wants to be an entrepreneur or a business owner. I just want to paint. <laughs> or a brand. Yeah, exactly. You know? Anyway, it's funny, you know, I'm a millennial. You're a millennial, right? Yeah, you're, yeah. You're like solidly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apologies to us. Like, I graduated from high school during the recession. And, you know, I was, I was reading this other stat that was saying, you know, that those unlucky enough to start careers in a recession saw lower earnings for like 10 to 15 years afterwards. Wow you know, there are also social effects and that's like higher divorce rates, shorter lifespans. I mean, so basically being broke can lead to an unhealthy life. <laughs> that's what I hear. You know, you're someone who sort of has side hustles, right? And I'm curious how you define them. You say you worked like three separate jobs, but I guess what's the difference between having a second job and having a side hustle? Because to me, it feels a little different, right? For me, what, what I mean by I was working three jobs is I literally got a W-2 from like three different corporations. But for me, a side hustle is more like you're your own boss and something that you're just naturally talented at, like painting or singing. Maybe you pick up some gigs and you get paid for some open mics, stuff like that. I feel like that's a little bit of a side hustle. Like, I think we mentioned dual careers at the top of episode. Some people don't like the word side hustle. Some people don't like the hustle culture, period. They don't. They feel like we shouldn't have to hustle so hard and we should just, our government should give us the money. But, you know, that's a different topic. But <laughs> I feel like a side hustle is just something that you do on the side that makes you extra income that is separate from your nine to five. And for some people, their side hustle kind of becomes a nine to five. And presumably you care about it. You know what I mean? Your side yeah, hustle exactly. is not like you're yeah. going to your terrible second job. My God, never again. I wanted to check out uh, what were some of the top five side hustles on Forbes. And it looks like you hit the nail on the head with Facebook Marketplace, selling your stuff online. I didn't realize that was a side hustle. To me, that wasn't really a side hustle. That's kind of passive. But you know what? I did read a Fast Company article where this woman made like a million dollars on uh, Poshmark or something like that. I can't, I can't do all that. I don't, I don't have much luck. I've been thinking about it, but it's like photographing your clothes and mailing them out is such a pain in the ass, but that's why I'm not a successful entrepreneur. You know what I mean? My attitude is core. I'm like, Hey, I have a bad attitude. Like this is not going to work. We sound the same. Like I get so lazy with it where I'm like, I don't feel like doing this. So what are the other side hustles? So selling your stuff online, freelance writing. Okay. Freelance writing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I should be doing that. Food delivery. I I can admit that I delivered for Uber Eats before. Really? Yes. I did not what get accepted like? by DoorDash. They're very particular on DoorDash. I did not get accepted. Why? They look into your driving record. <laughs> that's so funny. So that's what y'all need to know about my driving record. But Uber Eats, I actually prefer delivering food uh, opposed to um, driving people around for Uber. I've never done that. And I, I didn't really feel comfortable doing that as a young woman. Delivering food was a piece of cake, you know, just drop it off at their door. And I mean, the tipping, I actually 
have a, a better understanding now since I did it myself, how it works. And so I do feel for drivers now and I try to tip a little bit more because it's not the most lucrative side hustle, even though it's on this list. Yeah, it was. Well, I was going to say, how did you like, did you make bank? I will say I did not supplement my income with door, with Uber Eats. No. Food delivery, I was not able to. Unless you're doing food delivery for like eight hours a day, treating it like a real job. I was just doing it here and there for an hour. Like, oh, I have an hour to kill. Let me go do some food delivery. Do you have to pay a fee to like become a delivery person and then make it back or something? Isn't that a thing? Oh, no, no, no. Anybody can sign up at any time. Like you could sign up and start within the same hour, but uh, they do take a cut. And as we've seen, these companies take a large cut. So I really felt for people who, during the pandemic, this was their only means of income because it, it just wasn't enough. Yeah, the gig economy, the gig economy is not good. And then finally, we have teaching music online. So I guess if you're already good at music, jump online and teach some music, get some extra cash. And social media management. <laughs> That's funny since I do it full time. <laughs> Interesting. I guess, is it like managing for other people on the side? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, somebody actually mentioned that to me. That's another way to get a side hustle. Think about what are you already good at and what do people come to you asking for help with? This one guy I know, you know, he does the trading and the stock market. And he said, when people start asking me questions in my DMs, I tell them, okay, this is a free consultation. And if you want some more information, you're going to have to pay me like a consultant. And I think that's a great idea. If people- Has he made money? I don't know about that. Look, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> but consulting, I feel like is definitely a, a new side hustle where you just take your expertise and you share it. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. I feel like I, I don't have the, uh, this is such an annoying way to put it. I don't have the entrepreneur mindset. You know what me I mean? Me neither. Me neither. <laughs> I I will admit, like, I kind of have become the cookie cutter nine to five person. I do have my side hustles, but I'm not necessarily trying to start a business per se. But then I think about it and the podcast, it is its own brand. So I don't know. I guess I'm somewhere in the middle. You know, the thing that kind of annoys me or that I think about every once in a while is like, you know, like whenever I post on Instagram, and this is so stupid. This is such like a, an asinine thing to say. But whenever I post on Instagram, I'm like, people are making money off of me right now. Mm -hmm. You know, like, why can't I get a cut of this? You you could. That's another side hustle. I saw that um, Instagram actually recently added paid brand partnership. It used to be you had to literally have a brand partnership in order to tag that on your photos. But now they said anybody could tag that. And I guess the hope is that by tagging brands as a paid partnership, they'll like your content and pay you for it. I don't know. Do you do that? I have not used that feature yet, but I have found myself, you know, tagging brands and uh, hoping to get featured. And I, I have, when I was trying to get more into the content creation space, I created a media kit and I was ready to pitch brands, pitch email and rate card, but I never got to it. <laughs> I think it's probably time to actually talk to Jasmine. So after the break, when we come back, we will be talking to Jasmine Lawrence. She is the founder of Eden Body Works, but she is also a product manager of the Everyday Robot Project at X. And she's going to tell us about managing her dual careers. This episode of Hit the Ground Running is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. Hi, Jasmine. 
Hey, Yasmin. I want Christina to kind of take it away and tell us how she knows you because she has an interesting relationship with your brand. And then we have so many questions to ask you about. I met Jasmine because I was a product user of Eden Body Works, the natural hair care company. They started when you were 13, is it? That's right. You started when you were 13 In New old? Jersey. Yes. What? Yes. <laughs> Jasmine started Eden Body Works, a natural hair company, when she was 13. And that's like the ultimate side hustle. I mean, at the time, it was probably your allowance money. And now it's now that you have a full-time job, you're working on the Everyday Robot Project at X, you're very entrenched in tech, yet you also have a full-fledged hair company. So can you just tell us, you know, start from the beginning, when did you decide, wow, I should actually sell my products and, you know, make a profit from my side hustle? I've been joking with some people saying when I was a kid and they asked me, do you have McDonald's money? I got to say, yes, I do. (laughs) But for me, I lost my hair when I was very young. Uh, I got a relaxer and I lost a lot of my hair and that really changed the way that I just thought about the products that I used and honestly, the lifestyle that I lived. So that that journey of, of trauma for me led to a transformation in my life. And at the time, I just was like, I got myself together. I got right. I feel comfortable leaving the house. We're all good. Uh, but one summer, I went to a business camp hosted by the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship. And they taught me all about how to start a small business in this two-week course at, at NYU. One thing that they were really, really um, clear about was that if you see a problem in your community, you can create a solution to solve it. And it was through hearing some of the stories that were happening in the lives of some of the other students that I realized that what was happening to me was not just an isolated incident, but that it was about the systematic oppression of how Black women and Black people look and how we had little to no ownership over that or or pride in that. And some of the products that were being provided for us were about uh, helping us cater to, I would just say, more European styles of, of looking. And so for me, I started my company because I wanted to empower and equip women with the tools that they needed to embrace themselves and to live happier and healthier lives in addition to having affordable products that really work for their needs. And to be clear, you were 13. That is true. I was probably still collecting Pokemon cards. I feel like my side hustle when I was 13 was writing creepy love notes to a guy who had no interest in talking to me. Lemonade stand. (laughs) Anyway. You know, you still have a full-time job now and it's still a side hustle. I'm curious how you kept up that business, you know, through school and then, you know, its relationship now with your work. Yeah, absolutely. I can't, I can't call Eden a side hustle. I can't do it. I think it's too meaningful a part of my life for it to be a side hustle. And honestly, if I think about kind of the freedom and control that I have to make impact in the world. If anything, my career in tech has always felt like a side hustle to me. It's the thing that comes naturally because it's very much aligned with my inherent strengths and skills. Not to say that I don't strive to do well in tech, but it's something that comes naturally. Whereas uh, the the personal compassion and understanding and and extremely personal impact of the work that I do with Eden, I I wouldn't relegate it to a side hustle anymore. But um, the, the language I use now is probably like dual careers careers in the same way that you don't stop being uh, a wife when you become a mother or an individual when you become married, right? You just coexist in the two states of having both titles at the same time. And neither is more important, but sometimes you have to uh, take actions and prioritize one over the other in terms of how you spend your time. That's kind of how I look about it. Think, Think about it. Every company that I've worked for, Microsoft, Facebook, the Alphabet family within Google, has valued the entrepreneurial mindset that I bring to the work that I do as a product manager. 
I see that I do very similar roles in very different industries, but it's still about finding needs, developing solutions with, you know, sometimes it's technology, sometimes it's formulations of natural ingredients, but whatever it takes to find the right thing that meets the customer need, that's basically my role. I have a bit more uh, leadership and like I said, influence in my own company in terms of setting our values, our mission and empowering individuals to bring my vision to life at scale so that I can have the luxury of being able to, to dive deep and be an individual contributor in the tech space and innovate and run experiments and, and do all of that stuff 40 hours a week. And, you know, a career in tech and a career in beauty, hair care don't seem to have a lot in common, but you already touched on how you kind of need leadership for both of your roles. So what other transferable skills have you used between your dual careers? Absolutely. When I was working at Microsoft, I was pursuing a master's in human-centered design and engineering. And I sometimes I jokingly like to describe that degree as a degree that helps you solve people's problems by actually talking to people and figuring out what their needs are. Like I said, that transfers across both domains, the compassion that I have, the um, commitment and focus on user research. I think you were actually one of my ambassadors and one of the people who give us that integrated feedback as a boots on the ground person living that lifestyle of what's working and what's not and, and what stories are resonating with people about how we're having impact in their lives. This is the same type of things that you do with these major corporations. Skills in A-B testing and experimentation, it's not just great for software, but it's great for products as well. So doing short runs, doing website-only sales, doing small travel size. We used to have in-person focus groups with people from across the country and even national tours to figure out even regionally what the different needs are for the different textures, for the different humidity levels that exist across the country and, and now across the world. In terms of individual skills, persuasion communication, getting people fired up about the thing that I believe will, will truly be the answer, being extremely data-driven, hugely important, not just in tech, but also in, in the beauty space. And I would say customization to an extent, because creating personas or pr creating these caricatures to capture segments of the market is never easy. And you're always losing some level of detail that is likely critical to the actual solution when you do that. Um, but that practice of, of segmenting the market and understanding the different strategies that are necessary to accomplish what you need to do for your businesses is important. And the last thing I'll add is I have this confidence in myself that I have this ability to solve problems, that I have this ability to see people for who they are and not just say, we want to build this thing, let me shove it down your throat. But, but to be really clear and be really sure, I have this confidence in myself that this is how I serve people. This is how I make impact in the lives of people. And so I can go into tech where the solutions haven't been invented, where, where no one really knows what they're doing, but we're figuring it out anyway, and go, as long as we're focused on helping someone, on supporting someone, that we're being cautious of privacy, of security, being focused on learning, that we can get it done. I don't know, fearlessness maybe is what I would call it. Yes. I love that. Two things that really interested me in what you just said was one, you know, you mentioned that your tech job is a 40 hour work week. And I'm curious, to hear more about how you kind of set boundaries and divide your time between both. And also sounds like you had a job and you were pursuing a master's and you were also running this company, which makes me feel like the biggest underachiever ever. But also I'm curious, you know, did you ever have a conversation with your boss about your other companies? Did you ever talk to a professor to kind of, you know, 
figure out those separate parts of your life? Probably not my professors, but definitely my employers, right? There's always this moment where you have to go, okay, I have to fill out this conflict of interest form or I have to uh, disclose my moonlighting. And I'm fine because I say like, if you ever, like, if you ever can justify some reason why you feel like my performance is being impacted by the other things that bring me joy in life, you, you let me know. We'll have a conversation about it. But it's my business, it's my life. And like I said, I think they valued the the skills that I've developed from becoming an entrepreneur more than any any detractors. I mean, few, if any, instances of conflict between the two where I've had to make really, really hard decisions about, you know, am I going to do this thing that is better for the tech company I'm working at or that is good for my life or for my company? But I think everybody has those moments in life where you have to choose between your job and yourself. I was doing a lot and I do try and be transparent about what's going on. But yeah, boundaries, thats that was your original question. When I'm at work, I'm at work. I'm focused on what I'm doing because that's all they're paying for. They're only paying for 40 hours, sometimes 50 because I, I'm passionate about what I do and I'm willing to put in that extra effort. But the other, what, 148 hours of the week, I have a lot of other goals that I want to pursue. And every minute that I put into doing work is that I'm not spending sleeping or I'm not spending exercising or I'm not spending doing my hair or talking to my family or, you know, doing stuff for Eden. And so I do try and look at all the areas of my life. I actually read this book called Living Forward, which was really, really helpful for me in in developing a life plan where I've identified the areas of my life and how I prioritize them. Myself and my health are at the top. My faith is at the top. My career is actually somewhere towards the middle and the bottom, but below like my family, my friends, on my personal development, uh, these types of things. And, and I let those values or those priorities inform my actions and how I spend my time. So I literally project those values onto my calendar and it makes making trade-offs easy because I, I know what I want out of life and I, I know who I am as a person and what's important to me. When you like boundaries, it's just an opportunity for you to introspect about what really matters to you. What really matters to you and what are you willing to do to achieve the goals that you have set for your life? Actually, I think you know, our last question for you is really like, what tips do you have for like anything really practical to get a side uh, hustle going or not a side hustle, super, a second career, other careers? I mean, side hustles are fine. I just don't have one. Okay. Maybe <laughs> my side hustle is like mentoring for charity, I guess is my side hustle. Okay. So, so I have a side hustle where I'm on this platform called Super Peer and I like have conversations and I mentor people like for money. Okay. I care about making this money because I take all of this money and I donate it back to the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship, which is the group that, you know, 16 years ago helped inspire me to be an entrepreneur. So it's like this win-win model of like, I donate my time, you donate your money, we build the future of entrepreneurs of color. Okay, so let's say that's my side hustle. Practically, I have carved out time in my week that is dedicated exclusively to that side hustle. For me, I've got maybe two hours a day that are blocked, like it's linked to my calendar. So if I have a meeting like this, then obviously someone can't book this time. But otherwise that window is open, right? I spend time, I've like carved out that time. Nothing else overrides that time. I think that's something that people don't give their side hustles enough time to really work through the details. I have a plan with like uh, measurable metrics of what I want to achieve, right? I want to raise a thousand dollars to give away by the end of the year, which means I need some combination of this many meetings or sessions with people, right? So I'm measuring that. I checked in and said, okay, it's the end of June. Have I raised $500 yet? Yes, I've actually raised $850, which is exciting. But like, am I on track? If I was not on track, let's say I'd only raised $200, then I would pivot. I would change my tactics, right? 
and able to achieve the goals. So when you have your side hustle, you put aside time, taking that moment to reflect on, okay, what are my goals? What are the tactics that I'm taking to achieve that goal or to produce that content or to reach those customers? Are they yielding the results that I want? If not, how can I pivot my tactics or my strategy to achieve that? I've also had a number of conversations with mentors in the field, right? Other people who are um, career coaches, or I've learned from the people who are coaching me, the strategies that make you a more effective coach and incorporated that into my plan. So as you're starting a side hustle, joining a community or finding mentorship of someone who's in that industry is great. Sometimes I get emails from people saying like, how do I start my own hair and body care company? I'm like, dude, dude, come on. You really think I'm going to just have a conversation with you to like become my competitor? I don't know. But if you were to ask me a more tactical question, like, hey, um, I'm thinking about these three bottling companies. Like, how do I assess a bottling company? What do you think about these label strategies? Or like some generic, not even generic, I would say more focused and specific business question helps me help you rather than you just being like, tell me how I become an entrepreneur and just do it all for me. And I just want you to answer all the hard business questions that I have. No, that is difficult and draining. So I hope those were useful. Make the time for it. Measure what you do. Set goals. Be prepared to pivot. Get a support system to help you. The most important thing is to remember why you're doing what you're doing. If the reason why you're doing this side hustle does not make you jump out of bed in the morning, does not make you want to do that even when you don't feel well, even when you're not excited, even when there are more fun things to do, like go to Hawaii on vacation. (laughs) Then you know what? You probably don't want it as badly as you think you do. Wow. You're right. Thank you so much, Jasmine, for chatting with us today. I feel empowered. I feel energized. (laughs) Good. Yeah, me too. Me too. Thanks for the opportunity to share my my thoughts with you all. So takeaways. I guess my first one is that um, I am a massive underachiever. But my second one... (laughs) is um, I love the fact that she talked about her side hustle as a dual career. And it's really what I took from that was really taking your own business or passion project almost like as seriously as your day job. You know what I mean? Rather than kind of diminishing it to something sort of small and inconsequential just with your words. Yeah, I agree with that. That that opened my eyes and made me realize like we give so much time to our jobs. We should really pour that back into ourselves too. And I would say my takeaway was when Jasmine talked about how she didn't just create hair products because she thought it would be nice and she wanted to make money. She created it out of a need. And so I think that when people are you know, doing their side hustles and trying to monetize their hobbies, they should think about what are people's needs and try to solve a problem because that just draws more customers to you. When you have something that people want, you can not only make money off of them, but educate and inspire them. So I really like that. Mm-hmm. But I also do buy a lot of stupid things. So there's, <laughs> yeah, I have there's like a market out there. <laughs> <laughs> there's a market out there for useless things too. But yes, I agree. Having a purpose is very inspirational, very admirable. All right, Christina, what have you been keeping tabs on this week? I'm keeping tabs on a social media comedian by the name of Mark Phillips. And he also has a team, his best buddies, they jump in some of his videos from time to time. They're called RDC World. And they have 5 million subscribers on YouTube, 
our DC world. And Mark Phillips has a great following on his own. And his videos are just hilarious to me because they're just so authentic and they, he keeps it real. He he normally talks about um, sports and hip hop. And recently he actually got to meet some of his uh, inspiration. He met LeBron James on the Space Jam premiere red carpet and LeBron James chopped it up with him and you know, he started quoting lines to him, letting him know that he actually watches his videos. His social media comedy has taken him all the way to a music video featuring J. Cole. So he is just really shooting up to the top. I'm so happy for him and his team. Just something, since we talked about side hustles on this episode, just a little side project turned into a full-fledged career for this guy. So I'm happy for him. Yeah, the biggest revelation what you said is that J. Cole apparently has a sense of humor. Yes. <laughs> J. Cole does have a personality, y'all. <laughs> He's always so serious. You know, I'm kind of obsessed with those LeBron videos that he posts where he's like rapping or singing along to a song, but he also... He never knows the words. Yeah, he clearly <laughs> doesn't know the words. I'm like, what are you... I want to be like so impressive that I can get. I could get away with doing that. Right. That's <laughs> hilarious. What are you keeping tabs on? My keeping tabs is also comedy. <laughs> it's a... Uh, Season two of I Think You Should Leave is out on Netflix, and I am obsessed with that show. I think it's so funny and weird, and I have a really annoying laugh. Our listeners may have noticed because I've probably cracked up on the show. It's, like, very loud and cackly. Anyway, I was watching I Think You Should Leave, and a neighbor shushed me through the wall. Oh, my God. That is so embarrassing. I know, man. It was brutal. Um but, like, also, they should know this show is really funny and, like, they should yeah. watch it, too. So Anyway, it's funny enough that I laughed and upset my neighbors because wow. I, I laughed so loud. Anyway, so that's that's my keeping tabs. Comedy. Keeping tabs. Thanks for listening to Hit the Ground Running. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and recommend this show to a colleague or a friend or a colleague who happens to be a friend. Also, if you have a few moments, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, where a new show and your review helps others find us. Or you can send us an email at podcast at fastcompany.com to let us know your thoughts and tell us if you have a question or an issue you'd like us to tackle on the show. Hit the Ground Running is produced by Franz Bowen with help from Blake Odom and with editorial oversight from Kate Davis. 